0: one particular group of monks uh, went out and then it wasn't too long before they came back and, uh, he sa- and uh, they said you have to send us to uh, another place he said, this, this forest is no good that we've been in and so he said well what's no good about it well there's these spirits in the trees and they're always bothering us and I'm not sure if this is a metaphor for, you know, all this stuff up here that's always bothering us. So that's when he gave a little thought, and then he recited uh, to, uh, the metasuta to them and said, now you go and work with that. So when you think about the Metasutra, I think the key sort of meaning to it is radiating kindness and love. So he was being more specific about what that might look like, asking, even as a, a parent protects with their life their child, their only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. So asking us to be that person radiating kindness. Since Mother's Day uh, was conceived, and actually it was way back in ancient Rome and other places, if I read a little bit of the history, it always had the most kind of um, benevolent reasons, you know, uh, for uh, uh, for declaring a day to uh, honor honor parents, mothers. But as the centuries have gone by, today it's got kind of a bad rap, or maybe mothers have got kind of a bad rap. Uh, there's often times um, you can hear uh, a lot of complaints about our mothers. I've had them. I am my mother <laughs> in so many ways. I mean my hands are just like hers, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So I'm going to invite us, uh, and I'll start out to just talk a little bit uh, about perhaps an experience, not an evaluation of our mother, but an experience that we had with our mother that might have been a typical uh, experience, and um, and we'll see as people share that you know there's a wide spectrum, and then I have some some teachings to just share after I. Hear from you. So my mother, her name was Marjorie. and uh, she was an at-home mom except for when my sister needed teeth, so um, straightening. So she went to work at the Safeway in the meat department. So she was a pretty earthy person in many ways, and didn't um, graduate from high school, and. Uh, She really became the sewer of all of our clothes, cooked all of our meals, just really took care of our lives a great deal. And uh, as we grew up, we all ended up in other parts of the world, and it was really unhappy for her. And uh, she became an alcoholic. She was always becoming an alcoholic. Just she really, it became um, really full blown, and I would be here uh, and with my kids, and she would phone me on Saturday night drunk, and she would say, "Linda, why did you go so far away with my grandchildren? I never can see my grandchildren." And she would. And I would get that phone call with her having been drinking because she and my dad had started in the afternoon on Saturday nights for a long, long for, for really until she died. She was always the caring person, but we were so far that she kind of got left. What do I do with my life when I don't have all this to do? It was, it was very. It was upsetting for me because I felt guilty, but it was also, of course, she was very upset. So then, when I think probably the most special time of my life with my mom was when she was dying. She died of pancreatic cancer. She spent some months in hospice and palliative care in Vancouver, British Columbia, so I went back regularly to be with her. And um, she was. um, well, we would have some talks, and she said, "What would, uh, what would, would Buddhists say about this?" And so I would talk with her about. It. She always didn't like that I came and started at a Buddhist temple, and um, she changed a little bit. But it took her, uh, took me away from her, and that's what I think she didn't like. And she grew up in the Christian church, so it was foreign that I would, had become a Buddhist. And so she said, well, what would Buddhists say about that? So I would give her a little dharma talk. And she would say, well, that's what I think. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think I'm a Buddhist? (laughs) It 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 was sweet, it was sweet that we could be just like that. And then as she got not able to commune so much, I would go and she'd be very restless and I would um, not know what to do. I would rub her hands, I would rub her feet, I would massage her. She would still be so restless. The old nurse, an English woman, told me that she hadn't slept for days and she was just, it never was still. So I was desperate. It was hard to be with her and I also wanted to help her in some way. But one of things I did out of desperation start to chant to her, -um Mm ma'um chanting, -um, ma'um, ma'um, ma'um. And I just kept on, and after an hour she fell asleep, Mm -hmm. and I was so happy Mm -hmm. that she was just, her face was very red, but she just was calm and quiet and breathing in an even way. So every chance that I had after that, I would chant to her. And once she fell asleep, she went sort of into something. When she came back, she said, wow, the flowers are really pretty up there. Mm-hmm. So wherever she went, whatever happened to her was just um, was very touching to me. So after that, you know... Um, the nurse said, Mantra, you know, would you like us to get some nice flute music or some harp music now uh, that your daughter has to go back home? Because I would go back and forth. And my mom said, no, I want the Buddhist music. (laughs) (laughs) And so I... uh, my, My daughters knew that chanting, so when they were with her, they would do it. The rest of my family just sang. And I think it helped, because they... The Buddha stuff was just, a, you know, a little too much for them. So that was, so she, I think, died in a really peaceful way. Uh, and a lot of the stuff that had been such, so much, had brought up so much angst between us. We got a little resolved in those last months. And well, I could give you all kinds of crazy stories about my mom. I just wanted to share that because I think it's the most special time that we were together. Yeah. So then now it's your turn. You don't have to tell a whole story like mine. Just maybe a little incident to help us <coughs> to see the spectrum of Fumi. Uh, my mom. Boomy.
1: My My mother was uh, from Ohio. She's the youngest of four sisters. They always tried to tell her what to do. So she decided she would never do what they wanted her to do, ever. And she's very stubborn. She moved to Detroit during the Depression. Uh, she didn't tell anyone. And her sisters would call and say, do you know where your mother is? And I'd say, no. Aren't you worried about her? No, she's done this all my life. I'm fine. Well, she might die. Well, yeah. You know, I don't know. She's a survivor. And I never worry about my mom. She might be in San Antonio, Florida, on the East Coast. And she'd have adventures, and then she'd me about them. And that was my mother. So, I
2: appreciate that. Yeah. I'm kind of a new member, but <laughs> I have urge you to say this. because uh, I'm from Korea, and my mother is in Korea. Um, my mother was born in a very privileged family. But Korea went through Japanese colonization and Korean War. So even though she was born in a very privileged family, uh, my grandfather couldn't adjust to these changes in the world. So by the time when my mother become uh, 12 years, they become very, very poor suddenly. That impacted my grandmother. Because this is serious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna so jump to like the year passed, like uh, like thirty years later, or fifty years later, my grandmother was losing her memories. So aren't I, maybe? So sometimes she recognized people, sometimes she couldn't. And by the time she was like eighty something, she was pretty old. And I was in high school, and my mother was pretty old grown up. And then uh, by the time, My grandmother, her life was miserable. She had 10 children. She was born, of course, in a very privileged family, but she became very poor. She could not send my mother to uh, even junior high. Her eldest uh, son graduated from low school, but two of her children couldn't even go to junior high school, middle school. So my grandmother had all this trauma. And then when she was like, oh, she was more. she decided to, took her life. So my grandmother, my mother's mother uh, drank the pesticide and she suffered another week. Mm. And then my mother was there and then my mother stayed with her for the whole week, watching her mother's suffering. But the last day, my mother decided to come home because I was in high school and my brother was in high school. So she was worried about us. So she visited us and the night my grandmother passed. But I was not allowed to attend the funeral because the death was tragedy. And I asked around to my cousins and then my cousin even does not know how my, our grandmother died. So it becomes a family secret, <laughs> and we never mentioned about it. And then, I was in high school, I thought that I was grown up, and then my mother was a grown up. She was my mother, very strong woman, self-made woman. So I never deeply thought about the death of my grandmother. But then, like, something changed I realized that my mother become, like part-time, not all the time, but sometimes she did binge drinking and then she become crazy and out of control. So like our family never, never had any empathy towards my mother. We never talk about our, my grandmother's death. And then finally, um, couple, like three weeks ago, like I'm, sincere (laughs) Buddhist. So I decided to do some prayers. So I did um, three day and night, not night, three days prayer. And during my prayer suddenly this idea hit me about like my mother and my grandmother. And then that was my first time to think about my grandmother's death, but truly. And I realized that I felt so sorry that I never had any empathy toward my mother. So I never like deeply understand her suffering and sorrow. So during my prayer a couple weeks ago, I deeply, deeply please forgive my like ignorance, negligence. And then uh, I came back home, Michigan. And then a couple days later, okay. Last week we had a dharma with Aja Amaro, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like thinking about all this thinking and then a couple days later, I become really, really sick. And then I went to ER and then next da- day like I call my brother and then my brother called my father that I went to ER and then my dad said, you know what, the same day, my mother went to ER too. So we are very, very connected. (laughs) So I I think that a kind of spiritual, I believe this kind of spiritual connection because we believe that if you kind of ask forgiveness like you will have some symptoms (laughs) and then that's kind of pathway to become better we believe that, so I think that my sickness and my mom's sickness is kind of great like like sign that we will truly, like at least I truly decided to be my mother's kind of comfort. So I want to be there for her instead of hating her. So like when we brought about a uh, Metta Sutra, and then when we are talking about Mother's Day, it was really shocking for me because it's so connected. So, so.
3: <laughs>
4: oh, I have one. Um, so my mother comes from a large Italian family. And uh, there's a lot of Italian culture in her family. So that includes a lot of um, food, a mm-hmm. lot of generosity, and um, but the story I want to tell you about my mom is one of deception. So uh, my mother and father have this tumultuous emotional relationship with each other. And um, one, of the, one of the points of contention was neckties, because my father would stubbornly hold to these neckties that were way out of date. They were very thin, and they, as far as my mom was concerned, they were totally out of style and she was always telling to get rid of these neckties because there's another thing with italian culture is dressing well so she didn't want her husband to be walking around with these neckties and he kept the neckties up in a shoe box in the top of the closet and he had probably 20 of them so one day my dad was away he was out fishing and my mom uh the neighbor came by and said carmella my mom's name, we're having a rummage sale. Is there anything you want to donate to the rummage sale? <laughs> and she took about half of the neckties and she gave them to the neighbor. And then an hour later, my dad came home and said, Carmella, I stopped at the rummage sale next door. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody was throwing out all these good neckties. <laughs> he got all his neckties back, not knowing that they were his. <laughs>
5: yesterday with some new friends of mine, and we were at breakfast uh, yesterday with some new friends of mine, and I invited them to come. And after one of my friends commented, um, he was just watching um, she and I interact about today, This feeling of being really precious to my mother, um, and then I was thinking about his comment and how much room she has given me in my life to go explore and to try on lots of different identities and and go really far physically, but also like identity-wise and spiritually. And I was just thinking, like how what that must ask of a mother to um, feel that preciousness. And when you feel something precious, like you want to keep it close, and you want to keep it maybe the way you know it. And um, I just haven't, I've just experienced a lot of freedom, and I just, I don't know, that just makes my own heart, like, like what does that even mean, like how do you do that? How do mothers? And I think there's like also a feeling of, you know, as I age and she ages and then I almost feel like maybe there's a reverse thing going to start to happen where I, I now feel this like preciousness and mm. knowing that she'll go far at some point, I'm like, what that will ask of me to like, you know, let her go and um, so, yeah, there's a lot in there but it all feels
4: I just remember all the Halloween costumes that my mother made for me, sewed, sewed from scratch and the Batman cape that I wore for a whole year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm see I'm imagining it right now. <laughs> Do you still have it?
5: Can you wear it sometime?
3: It's all small.
4: <laughs>
5: <laughs> 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 Eugene.
6: Uh you know my mom. Uh my mom is a she's a Jewish mom. Mm-hmm. And
0: she's a Jewish mom?
6: Yeah, she's a Jewish mom. Mm-hmm. And uh she, she is in some sense like a like an anchor. Mm. Uh, she always uh well, uh, points to the uh, well. I feel that she means uh, something. Uh, she means uh, she. Uh, so I have to uh, kind of think, think, uh, return back to some to some point. And I, I always, uh, when I uh, wander arou- around, I, I think I, I come back because of uh, because of uh, your uh, emotional connection. And I used to think that, well, uh, children always uh, rebel uh, in some sense. And uh, one of uh, the uh, ways I thought about this uh, rebellion was that, uh, well, I think that uh, children always uh, want to uh, separate uh, the, uh, in uh, mom's love, uh, the uh, love to themselves as Persons from the uh, reason that they are loved because they are children, and as they grow, and so and this separation is, I think, the problem. Uh, it, it comes from children. I mean, they. This is how they see, and uh, as they become older, I think that, well, from the other side, it's it's actually uh, not a big. Not a big difference. Not a big, uh, not a big thing. So we, uh, so I, I try to see it uh, now. Uh, not as, uh, there is no so, so much of separation.
0: As the time has gone by, well, whatever that means. Thank you for sharing your uh, stories. Yeah, it's beautiful, and I'm sure those who didn't share it would be just something to hear. In um, Just a couple of things I wanted to say was that um, yesterday I was at uh, the synagogue on Washtenaw Washtenaw, because Rabbi Doberson, who I've known for many years, is retiring. And he's been very much a part of the interfaith community, as I have been for the last few decades. And um, so I've really gotten to know him and respect him and feel like... He's a kind of salt-of-earth person. Um, I have heard that expression that I would say my dad was kind of like that, Rabbi Doberson is like that. And so one of the congregants, when I arrived, welcomed me and talked a little bit, I didn't go at the beginning, about what had happened and uh, how somebody had given a talk about Rabbi Doberson and how it had been his strength and depth in Judaism that had allowed him to go into the interfaith community because not everybody chooses to do that and be able to bring such a great deal to it. And so I said to the young man who was speaking to me, well, I can't agree more. He was really a salt of earth person. And from that, he said, there's something, some letters, and Abby, you can help me with this. Maybe they're on the Torah and there's 36, and it, in in their tradition of that particular synagogue, um, they say that there are, is a person, a salt-averse person, just like Rabbi Doberson. Uh, there are 36 of them in the world, and that congregation feels for sure that Rabbi Doberson is one of them. <laughs> but he said, what he said was we are told that we should think that everyone we meet could be one of those people. (laughs) And so therefore, you know, look for that. And I said, wow, you know, we have a similar kind of practice in Buddhism. Mm -hmm. It is that we have to think that everyone that we meet could have been our mother. The best of all mothers that we could have had. And so every person then we would look at with that in our hearts and minds. A lot of people, you know, because they have some trouble with their moms, they, it's hard for them to do that. But um, if you think, and I think that there's something, how could I have had thousands of mothers in other life? Everybody here has been my mother. How could that be? Is it, scientifically, it would be hard to figure that out. Right? <laughs> but if we... I really do think of that there's so much interconnection and interbeing going on, not only in present time, but to bring us to this point. We would not be who we are, were it not be for so many influences from thousands of years, you know, And it seems to be escalating that who we are these days because of time seems to go by so fast and world influence is so enormous but if we think in Buddhism of the term of interbeing and interconnection then there's always this because of this there is that and because of that there is this and we say oh my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, anger, and delusion, rising from body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow. And that means that we are the recipient of, here we stand, of everything that has come before us. That's the repentance gata. And when we say, now we put that anger, greed, and delusion aside because it's so much in our face, in everybody's face. There's another expression. It is, Gate Gate Paragate Parasam Gate para Bodhisvaha. Going beyond, going beyond. Going completely beyond the rational mind. So that's a place where all of our thoughts and thinking drop away. They fall short. And in Buddhism, in some parts of Buddhism, we call that the great Prajna Paramita. The great Prajna Paramitas. And Prajna Paramita, that place, is called the mother of all buddhas. Mm-hmm. So from that great spaciousness from that all the great unknowing mind comes our birth as buddhas. Until then we are really stuck in all of that greed anger and delusion which has come down to us and so Our meditation practice is so important. Our practice in community is so important. Our practice with each other is so important because it's always a catalyst for us experiencing Prajnaparamita. And that can be the solution. That's what's called radiating love. We learn that when we discover the Prajnaparamita. I like what James Baldwin said. You know, James Baldwin, a wonderful African American person. He's talking about children. For these are all our children. For these are all of our children. We're all mothers, we're all fathers and back and forth. We will all profit or pay for what they become. Mm -hmm. So it's really an an admonition, an invitation to step up to that. And then somewhere came the thing every day is Mother's Day. Amen. So let us go forward with uh, that spirit radiating clean over the whole universe.